Welcome to USURF Spotlight, a new series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we discuss major topics and issues in the news and explore how these topics are impacting religious freedom around the globe. Here is USURF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, leading this week's discussion. Today, we're going to focus on Belarus. Uh, there's been a lot of developments in the news on Belarus, and we want to talk to you about the religious freedom angle there. Today, we're fortunate to have USURF policy analyst, Dr. Jason Morton. Jason, welcome. Thank you, Dwight. Great. Pleasure what we want to do here is look at Belarus from our perspective, but we want to start by acknowledging what's going on there. Uh, in Belarus, what we're seeing right now is some unprecedented protests, as, as many of you have seen, uh, after August 9th elections uh, that were widely uh, seen as fraudulent and rigged. Uh, President uh, Alexander Lukashenko has uh, declared a grip on power and, and saying that uh, he received 80% of the vote there. And protests have ensued. There's opposition uh, groups uh, that have emerged and, and candidates. Uh, and I think what we want to look at here is where are the protests going since they're, uh, you know, large in size? We see the European Union countries uh, like Canada and Germany and others who have imposed sanctions uh, on senior officials, as has the United States. So we want to ask, uh, Jason, where are things going now? And the protests have been underway for about two months. Where do we stand? Thank you, Dwight. Yes, uh, it's. Uh, certainly a very interesting situation that's emerging in Belarus uh, did take some people by surprise. This is certainly not the first time that Lukashenko has rigged an election. It's not the first time he's even been sanctioned by uh, the international community for rigging the elections. Uh, but this year, uh, things were a little bit different insofar as uh, his image as a effective manager was really sort of tarnished by his management of the COVID crisis, uh, which he called a mass hysteria. He uh, kept things largely open, um, claims to have had the virus and recovered uh, by drinking vodka and going to the banya, which is the Russian version of the sauna, and encouraged citizens that if they just drank enough vodka and went to the banya, uh, they would also be fine. Uh, but also, Really, the critical point is this uh, opposition. So they, Lukashenko arrested many opposition candidates and many of their wives, are, um, especially Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya, continued in their place uh, and vowed that they would not back down and really gained the support of the population. So uh, these protests every week have continued to go on drawing large crowds uh, in many cities, especially the capital. Uh, Tsikhanovskaya has been forced to flee the country, but she is not backing down. She's formed kind of a, um, a government in exile almost. She met with Angela Merkel uh, this past week. So it's really unclear where things are going. It's very unlikely that Lukashenko is going to uh, step down easily, uh, but the, the population does not seem willing to budge either. So certainly an interesting thing that we're keeping an eye on. So it sounds like, you know, he's been in power 26 years. That's not a surprise. But all of a sudden, uh, this uh, this time, uh, it's a little different. Tell me how the 
the protests have impacted religious freedom specifically, the unrest. What, what has emerged here in recent weeks uh, that has had significant impact on freedom of religion and belief in the country? Well, there have been a couple of um, really disturbing incidents of uh, religion uh, and, and politics getting mingled together in this protest movement and, and, and uh, signs that the Lukashenko government is not going to tolerate any independent voices from the religious community uh, speaking out against his government. So uh, on August 26th, the head of the Belarusian Orthodox Church was removed from his position um, by Moscow. Be the Belarusian Orthodox Church is actually under the uh, authority of the Russian Orthodox Church. After uh, Metropolitan Pavel, his name was, after he criticized the government's response, uh, the, you know, the use of violence against protesters uh, and visited some of them in the hospital, he was very quickly removed and replaced by a new Metropolitan. Um, the Catholic Church in particular has been seeing the effects of these protests. From the very beginning, the Catholic Church has been vocally opposed to the government's response. Um, almost immediately after the, the protest movement began, the weekly mass, which used to be broadcast on state television on Sunday, was uh, no longer broadcast. Um, and very, very uh, disturbingly, the Archbishop of the Catholic Church, Menem Tadeus Kondrusevich, was uh, barred from re-entering the country after he made a short visit to Poland. Uh, when he tried to re-enter the country, he was not allowed to. Uh, he has since been told that his passport, his Belarusian passport, he is a Belarusian citizen, he's been told that that passport is no longer valid. Um, and signs are that, that the government is actually looking into whether or not they can annul his citizenship. So uh, this is a very alarming sign that, that the Lukashenko government is not going to permit uh, independence of any kind, especially, or, you know, including in uh, the religious sphere. Um, other priests have been, uh, there's been at least one case in which a priest, a Polish priest working in Belarus has been, uh, basically had his contract, his work contract canceled and he's being forced to leave. So there's definitely signs that uh, the religious sphere is being impacted by this on August 26th, also uh, a group of protesters who were being attacked by the police fled to one of the main Catholic churches in the city and they were given shelter there. Um, and this is something that definitely angered the uh, Lukashenko regime. Could you help unpack a little bit the, that you know, special relationship between the Belarusian Orthodox Church and the government and how has the Russian Orthodox Church influenced the government, if at all? It's a really good question. Um, so the relationship between the Belarusian Orthodox Church and Russia is you know, a close one. As I said, the Belarusian Orthodox Church is actually a part of the Russian Orthodox Church. So uh, when the Metropolitan Pavel was removed, he was removed by the Holy Synod in Moscow. Uh, by and large, the Belarusian Orthodox Church is not weighed in on the protests before Metropolitan Pavel spoke out. They've kind of been trying to uh, remain neutral, but the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, Metropolitan Kirill, uh, 
congratulated Lukashenko on his victory. Um, they have been speaking out against these protests in the media. Um, and, you know, they're walking a very, very dangerous kind of thin line uh, because at the moment, you know, Belarus is not like Ukraine in having large Russian, anti-Russian sentiments. But if the Russian Orthodox Church really begins to uh, equate itself and the Belarusian Orthodox Church with the Lukashenko regime, it's going to create some, some real animosity from the population. Right now, the Belarusian Orthodox Church does have a special relationship uh, with the government you know, it, it, it's allowed to uh, have an input in education where other religions are not given that privilege. It's basically acknowledged as in the law as foundational to Belarusian culture. And about 80 percent of the population identifies as Orthodox. Before the, the protest, how would you characterize uh, religious freedom conditions in the country? I mean, you talk about some of these incidents with the, the hierarchy within the various churches and how they're being cracked down because of the uh, perception or re reality that there's support for the protest. But how would you characterize conditions before this uh, uh, hit, hit Belarus? Religious conditions in Belarus have been generally um, a lot better than the rest of the region, certainly not as bad as Russia or Central Asia, but the laws that they have in place are not really that different than Russian religious law or laws in Central Asia, extremism laws uh, in, in, in Russia. Uh, they just haven't enforced them as strictly as the Russians do, for instance. So religious communities have to register with the state in order to practice uh, unauthorized religious practice is, uh, can be punished um, often in, in cases without even, uh, you know, a trial. The police can just cite someone for unauthorized religious activity and, and issue a ticket. The Catholic Church in particular has faced a lot of uh, persecution from the government. Catholicism is the second largest religion in Belarus. It's about 15 percent of the population uh, identifies as Catholic, mostly in the west of the country. Um, and there's not a lot of Catholic training facilities. So about 40% of the clergy in Belarus are actually foreign clergy, um, mostly from Poland. They have to apply to the government for permission to work in the country. Uh, and it's it usually, uh, you know, it can be a permit can be given for up between three months to a year, but usually not longer than that. So these clergy are constantly having to refile paperwork with the government and it can be denied for no reason at all. I mean, the government doesn't have to justify itself when it denies a priest the ability to continue working. And we've seen that happen over and over again, uh, most recently in September, where the government will basically just revoke the work permit of a priest, in this case, someone who's been serving his community since I think about 2003. Uh, and then they have to leave the country immediately and they're not necessarily replaced. So that parish then goes without basically a, um, a priest. Um, so it sounds like, you know, obviously not a bastion of freedom or religious freedom, but, uh, you know, typical to a lot of the uh, former Soviet states, some of the laws in place. Now, given given some of the structures and now with this these protests continuing, which they don't look like they're going to stop anytime soon. And there's, you know, real questions about the future of the country. 
if you were to look ahead, how how would you characterize uh, you know broader human rights, but specifically specifically religious freedom? Because um, we've seen the accountability factor from the EU and the US for the human rights violations. Thousands have been uh, imprisoned and detained. Um, and so on. But if you're looking specifically at religious freedom, what would you say the trajectory looks like as we move forward here? It's really difficult to say. I mean, uh, just it really depends on how this pans out. Neither side looks like they're willing to budge. Um, what can be said for sure is that the Lukashenko regime has all of the mechanisms in place to clamp down on religion much harder than it has. And with recent activity like the barring of the Catholic Archbishop from entering the country, as well as the arrests of um, protesters who are, are religious, um, that, that he certainly is not uh, opposed to clamping down on religious freedom even further if he sees it as a threat to his authority. So uh, the longer that this this conflict is in place and Lukashenko entrenches, it's very likely that that religious freedom will continue to decline. All of the mechanisms are in place. Um, one thing to watch out for is the extent to which the Russian Orthodox Church uh, tries to use its position of authority over the Belarusian Orthodox Church to intervene in politics. I think that that would be a very risky move on their part. Again, the more that uh, the Belarusian Orthodox Church is identified with the Lukashenko regime, I think it will lose a certain amount of popularity amongst the population. Um, and really, it's not in the interests of religious freedom or the population of Belarus for religion to be politicized at all. But it's certainly the case that if the opposition is victorious in, in this, that religious freedom will look a lot better. Um, that's, that's without a doubt. Um, you know, definitely a democratizing force uh, Tsikhanovskaya and, and the opposition, I think that, you know, could likely see many of these laws that are on the books change uh, if, if a new government came into power. Great. Well, uh, Dr. Jason Morton, thank you so much for uh, imparting your insight and wisdom on Belarus. And we'll keep certainly keep an eye on that looking forward. And I want to thank you for tuning in uh, to our first ever uh, episode here of You Serve Spotlight. We're going to continue to do these and and have uh, a focus on various issues and go deeper on some of the issues affecting freedom of religion and belief worldwide. And we will see you again in the near future. Thank you for joining.